Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block. Today, joining us on the other side of the mic in person is my guest, Joe Sticko, co-founder of Cryptex. Now, before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Huobi, one of the world's leading virtual asset exchanges, has been providing convenient and professional virtual asset management services to more than 50 million users in more than 160 countries for nearly a decade. At Huobi, their mission is to make crypto accessible, to help you understand risks and make informed decisions to protect you and your assets. Learn more today at Huobi.com. This episode is also brought to you by Ledin. From Bitcoin and USDC savings accounts to Bitcoin-backed loans, Ledin's financial services enable you to benefit from your holdings today without selling your Bitcoin. Learn more about Ledin at Ledin.io. Ledin, where your digital assets come to life. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblock.co slash terms dash service. Once again, I would like to welcome our guest, Joe Sticko, co-founder of Cryptex. This is um, technically your third time on the show yes did you realize that yes we had the first one with uh preston and myself and then we had the meeting with you and me and preston and vitalik uh and the mayor of miami and now this is the third time we're getting together so thank you so much of course well i mean to an extent maybe i should be thanking you the first episode is a bit of a historic episode Unfortunately, the audio quality wasn't amazing because I was recording in that like hotel basement. Right, right, right. Um, but and that was before we got our amazing audio engineer Stephen. Yes, it was the early days. You're an early adopter of the show. Yes, but that was like the third most listened to episode of the show. That makes us really happy. And I actually told Preston about that. Um, we were setting this one up Mm -hmm. and i said like yo it's it's literally like one of his top performing shows and he's like that's so amazing you know so that was really uh really cool man we're very happy to hear that i wonder if that was the uh framing i wonder what the framing was i think was that that was way before the merge but did we talk what did we talk about that was uh discussing ethereum 2 ethereum 2 as well as like when we were first coming up with uh tcap that's right yeah and we kind of like put those two things together and it was uh definitely definitely cool you know yeah glad a lot of people liked it we we also heard a lot of really positive feedback about that podcast and then you know you saw it pop up in like the um like the new section of coinbase and stuff so Mm -hmm. it was like it was a really really cool thing at the time to see that so it's it's a bear market now times are tough yes we were talking about how it feels almost like in 2018 when there was a degree of hopelessness that swept the market and no one knew what the future would have in store every day or every other day, it seems like a new executive has announced their departure from top crypto firms. Some of these firms are still struggling as a builder. What's it like navigating that environment? How do you kind of stay on the path? Um, I think, I think the most, um, 
important thing is just keeping your head down and building, right? Like there's going to be cycles no matter what business or no matter what um, like your pursuit is. There's, there's going to be cycles. There's going to be headwinds. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be difficulty. And if you have a conviction and an idea or something that you believe in, the goal is to just continue doing that no matter what headwinds that you face um, and just trying to navigate the macro picture to, to the best of your abilities, you know, and sometimes you're going to succeed and sometimes you're going to fail. But ultimately, if you just keep working with your head down and build things that you believe in and build things for people, then you'll survive any cycle and weather any, any storm. Mm. I feel like you brush shoulders with so many of the top executives in the space. Who do you think has given you the best piece of advice who weathered storms and you have leaned on to kind of oh my you get know, through? Yeah, it's just, you know, for whatever reason, I feel like myself and Cryptex, like it's, it's one of those things where everybody at the top or like the upper end, you know, a lot of, we, we're fortunate where we have a lot of friends, you know, we have a lot of friends and I cannot recall like one single piece of advice. Um, but one thing I, I can say that one of my dear friends, um, Howard, you know, Howard mm -hmm. Linton, uh, he's a founder of stock twits, um, you know, early investor in Robin hood and whatnot. We had a conversation a couple months back and he always just said to me, you know, be there for when the cycle turns, be there for when the cycle turns. And I always like, that was an incredible piece of advice because you realize like what we're facing as an industry and what we're trying to get through. And it's about survival right mm. now. You know, it's just the stronger going to survive and the market has this natural ability to weed out bullshit and cause pain uh, for bullshit. And, um, survival and being there for the, the next turn that's that's definitely like the most the most important thing so i think that that was a really interesting you know piece of advice but man there's there's been so many you know like we're so lucky where you know you you had said something to me earlier you know at, at lunch you know about a quote from your dad and that was incredible advice like even just listening to that while i'm sitting there eating mm -hmm. it was kind of just like wow you know, like just it's it's a, it's not about what you choose. It's like the strength that you need to to get through it. And that was a really cool thing, man. So, you know, thanks to you and thanks to your dad for that one, man. Thanks. Very, very appreciate cool that. Quotes. Yep. Um, so maybe we can talk a little bit about what Cryptex does for our audience. And you, I mean, so many of us or many of us kind of think about how crypto can recreate from first principles things that exist in Wall Street, but also beyond just in the entire way that we transfer value, represent ourselves online. Um, what part of traditional finance are you, did you set out to replace like in creating a crypto that kind of represents the entire market? Yeah, I, I think, I think it was, um, you know, like building indexes. You know, I mm -hmm. think that that was something that always kind of, you know, in intrigued me. I mean, my, my background, you know, was lifelong, you know, investment manager and, and trader. And, you know, when crypto really came onto the scene, it was kind of like, okay, this is awesome. But like, how do we like build something 
you know, where you can track the entirety of, of the market and do it in a, in a trustless and, and fully decentralized way. So there's not a committee of people deciding what should be inside of a, a portfolio, so to speak. It's literally just data. And it's the ability to collateralize data in a trust minimalized way. And once we kind of figured that out, you know, through working with Chainlink, I, I thought to myself, like, we have something really special here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what we, like, that's like the, the mission of the DAO is to kind of like, just take d- data metrics that are currently unavailable that people quote every single day, like total market cap or like JPEGs, as I'm sure, you know, we'll, we'll get into with NFTs and take this data and bring it to the world in a fully decentralized and trustless way. And I think that's that's pretty much the mission and, and the goal, man, is to do that. What's it like uh, being a part of or contributing to a DAO? What are the benefits? What are maybe some of the drawbacks in terms of from an operational perspective? Well, I, I think I think from like operations, you know, you have a community of of people, you know, and the community of people, you know, they they want to see you know, things get built, they want to see things get done. And they're all actively voting, you know, to achieve that, right. And I feel like, you know, for us, we're fortunate enough where, you know, we have a a solid community of people. A lot of those people have been, you know, contributing uh, through multiple different facets, like since since day one. So we're lucky in the sense that we don't really see a lot of issues or headwinds with with the community. Um, they understand that, you know, we're not here to pump and dump prices. They understand that we're not here to, you know, just, just, just spew nonsense. Like we're here to literally build the future of decentralized indexes and, um, they, they fully support that. So I don't think from an operational perspective, it's so much of a community that's necessarily issue. I think that it's transitioning from like the traditional structures of, of a business or of a corporation and then, you know, getting into a DAO and working inside of a DAO for the last 18 months where there was an initial bit of, of getting comfortable with the transition and saying like, okay, things might take a little bit more time or might not work as, as quickly. But ultimately, everything we've set out to do so far has been done. And I'm pretty thankful for that. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, we've obviously gone through quite a historic credit crisis and... I was watching some of my old hits on CNBC just to sort of like see like where my blind spots were in assessing the market, like in my own pontificating, what did I get wrong? Right. I think it's like an important way to like grow and, and learn. And there were, there was one time I went on the show before the Luna depegging and one time where I went on the show afterwards and you could see like there was an added level of context that I didn't have before because I never had really seen anything like that in, in crypto, a right. massive depegging that wiped out $50 billion in value. Yep. I think with um, experience kind of breeds this level of like crystallized intelligence about a situation. But when, when you saw that, or rather when I um, kind of pondered on, on that event and talked to folks, people would always say that 
these like pegs are meant to be depegged. And so like net, does that, how do you sort of get ahead of that? Did it maybe make you rethink the degree to which like TCAP can maintain its peg? And um, are there any things that you could do to add robustness? Yeah. What was the impact, I guess, is the question. So so for us, you know, minimal. And obviously one of the reasons why that is is because we were a lot we we're a lot smaller, you know, than than Luna. Um the the main difference though in terms of uh system specifications is that for a long time, you know, you, you think about like liquidity, Frank, right? Like and the best scenario I could liken it to is like natural gas. You know, like when there is an excess it just kind of siphons off and just gets burned into the atmosphere. And when you have this monetary policy that's incredibly loose, it's, you know, this is actually what I was just talking about on, on you know, NASDAQ the other day. You have this monetary policy that's incredible, incredibly loose and this money has to go somewhere, right? So where does it go? It goes into the most speculative assets because we know that interest rates are low, the Fed is printing and the, the money just kind of formulates a bubble and where it can go. So then you have people who are a little bit more risk adverse that take that knowledge and then employ leverage on it to just generate alpha and, and maximize returns. And one of the things that we've, we saw with that was, you know, the system was, was under collateralized. And when you look at the peg and when you look at these systems where pegs are under collateralized, how do you maintain a peg? It's going to be trading at a discount if there's not enough capital there to value the, the instrument that you're trying to, you know, hold. So for Cryptex, um, it's always been an over collateralized system. Mm. So while it, it's it's to mint TCAP or to mint JPEGs, it's it's 150% collateral. So we were always getting a lot of questions like, well, why would I post 150% collateral to mint something? It's not efficient. We can mint things other places at 75 or 80%. Well, look at those other places now because we're still chugging along. We had no issues. We had no system breaks. And TCAP, you know, it's it's traded at a slight premium to PEG for quite some time. And it's a problem that the team has been actively working on, on solving through an array of different methods. But um, it's also a market force accounting for that excess collateral, right? And... I'd rather have an over collateralized system of happy people than an under collateralized system that completely blows up, you know? And I think that it might not be as sexy. It might not be as attractive from a, a um, you know, liquidity perspective, but at the same time, what we're saying is there is there and it's backed by users. And that's the most important thing. That's, that's where I think the future is going to be here. So talk to us a little bit about JPEG. Mm. So, we set out on this journey um, with with Chainlink, and to to be clear, we didn't we didn't build this with Chainlink, Frank. Like we'll get into how they they built it, but Cryptex, I don't think anybody would argue was um, very impactful. Our team reaching out to Chainlink, having multiple iterations with them of how to create fully trustless NFT oracles that track the NFT market in real time, and nobody had done this and it was like you're looking at 2021 nft market hottest thing in the world you know billions and billions of capital flowing into it yet there's no way to collateralize it on a trustless basis and and tokenize it and we reached out to Chainlink, and the response that we had gotten a year ago was 
way too early. Data sources are way too untrustworthy. Not something that we're going to be able to do. And we kept on them and kept working. And there was about four iterations of um, protocols that were looking to solve this problem, but the data was coming from a uh, untrustworthy source or it wasn't verifiable on chain, which basically just means that it's completely open up to hacks and like anybody could just manipulate the system and drain all the money. And that's not something anybody wants. So over the summer, it got quite interesting because Coinbase Cloud came on board as the data aggregator for Chainlink. And we went to SmartCon and we were all on stage and, you know, we announced JPEGs and they announced these, you know, trustless NFT oracles. So basically now, for the first time ever, you're going to have the ability to track the entire NFT market cap in, in a single token where every collection, you know, Bored Apes, Mutant Apes, um, CryptoPunks, um, you know, all these different collections, you'll be able to have a token that represents their value and track the market cap of the NFT sector, just like you will, you know, you can for, for total crypto market cap. And why I think that's interesting is because these indexes are going to be dynamic where they can be added to over time. So like, Imagine, you know, you don't have a hundred and however much an ape is, 110000 mm -hmm. I, I should probably know this, but $110,000 to purchase an ape. Like imagine being able to take 20 bucks and, and buy a JPEG token and have, you know, accurately track what the performance of apes are. And ultimately be able to post the apes themselves as collateral, have tokens that you can then take to other places and do other things. I mean, like NFTs are, are literally in their infancy. Like I look at them now and... It's like where crypto was in 2017, you know, and we had that first bus cycle now. And now we're in the ground and who knows, you know, what happens next. But JPEGs is going to be the ability to track the NFT market cap. So what's behind it? Do you have to, like, how does it, how does it track the price? Because there, it, just the oracles so the way, feed, into, uh, feed into it? So the way that it's going to work is think about it like this. Like you have 10 collections, right? Each collection has a floor price. Mm -hmm. Now. So that, let's say there's, let's say there's three made for simplicity. So there's right. one that has a $10 floor price. Another has a five, another one that has a five. So the aggregate right. market's 20. Right. And the, so then the price of the token would be. Well, the price is twenty. I don't know. It would it would be based on the market cap of the floor price. Mm -hmm. So let's call the let's call the aggregate market cap a, a billion dollars, right? Okay. That the components of that index are going to still be trading in real time based on that floor price. So that floor price is going up and down. So if it's a billion dollars of of um, you know notional, you're going to divide that by a divisor. So to keep it simple, call it a divisor of ten. You have a billion dollars divided by ten. You have a token price that is $10. And then you take that $10 and you collateralize that with an underlying, like with ETH or with, you know, wrap Bitcoin or in the NFT space, you know, maybe Ape or whatever different token has a higher correlation to the underlying NFT assets. You over collateralize that token. And now that token's value is representative on moving as if it was the entire um, NFT market cap. 
Wobi, one of the world's leading virtual asset exchanges, has been providing convenient and professional virtual asset services to more than 50 million users in more than 160 countries for nearly a decade. At Wobi, their mission is to make crypto accessible, building the go-to hub for the next billion crypto users. Wobi believes crypto shouldn't have any barriers to entry. Wobi is committed to asset and platform security to help you understand risks and make informed decisions to protect you and your assets. Learn more today at Wobi.com. I also want to give a shout out to Ledin. Ledin, Bitcoin-backed loans and savings by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. As we've seen, not all digital asset lenders are created equal. Ledin prioritizes safeguarding clients' assets with its robust risk management approach. That is why Ledin doesn't actively trade or invest in DeFi yield generation strategies with its clients' assets and only supports Bitcoin and USDC, two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. Ledin is also dedicated to transparency, which is why they are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserves attestation. Learn more about Ledin at ledin.io. Ledin, where your digital assets come to life. How hard was it to sort of get exchange buy-in? Mm. What's that process like, aside from chasing CZ down the street? Well, that was that was uh, Tyler and Cameron. Oh, Tyler yeah, and Cameron yeah, yeah. chase chase them down the street to get on to get on Gemini back in two thousand and nineteen. Well, not to get on Gemini, but to uh, to actually have a discussion. And they listened. They were happy to talk about it. So shout out to you know the Winklevoss twins for giving a regular New York City guy a chance to build a business. It was really, really cool. But um, in terms of, um, you know, getting the governance token, so Cryptex, the DAO, has a governance token called CTX, which allows users to vote on things like protocol incentives or protocol upgrades, protocol tooling. Um, getting that on on Gemini and Coinbase and Huobi and, you know, all over the world, like, that was um, it was difficult. You know, it was difficult. And with the actual indexes like, you know, TCAP or JPEGs, um, also going to be difficult, especially with the environment that, you know, we're currently in where it's a bear market, a lot of conservativeness going on at the moment. But I think over time, you're going to see the demand for, you know, indexes or indexing of crypto assets. Like you're going to see that pick up. And we kind of want to be there for when that does turn because, again, you know, you, you never know what can happen tomorrow, especially in this space. And if, you know, institutions come in, I mean, you know, a couple months ago, you saw BlackRock, you know, now getting involved through Coinbase. I mean, what, what do you think, like, they're not going to want to recreate or they're not going to want instruments that are familiar to what they already know? Like, of course they are, you know? So if you could build something that could be the spy of the crypto world, or that could be, you know, the high yield or high growth or whatever it is you're trying to create index of, of the crypto world, I think that that's going to see a lot of success. Yeah. And that's kind of the game plan, right? To iterate and have many different types of indexes that represent different corners of the market. Absolutely. Um, I was just looking at this chart that we built up on the data dashboard. The number of monthly spot pairs on Binance has declined by a couple hundred since it peaked in May. Right. So it seems like it's a definitely a harder environment to get listed. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely not um, you know an easy environment right now. I mean, I, I'm we're thankful that 
you know, Coinbase and Gemini and, you know, Holby, these have all been, you know, incredible in reaching out, communicating. I mean, I'm not even talking about the listing. I'm just talking about having the conversations to how do you do this? Or they're there to, to talk to you. They're there to answer questions. And each and every one of these outfits has, you know, wonderful people that you can speak to if you want to try to get these things done. In terms of them listing something, you know, I, I, I don't really know a lot about it. I just know that you have to apply or you have to do certain things and then they reach out to you if, if it happens, you know? So I think that it's definitely gotten tougher to your, like you said, I think that's going to continue for a while, but I don't think that that means, you know, you stop building or you stop trying like the, the you know, you just got to keep going. Mm, yeah. Keep going. Keep going. That's all you can really do at the end of the day. <laughs> what else can you do? Man? When did you um, buy your first NFT? I got my first NFT, believe it or not, kind of late. I got my first NFT in September of 2021. Mm -hmm. And I had friends that had gotten into the um, Board Ape ecosystem uh, very early on, you know, four or $5,000 in Ethereum. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I did not pull the trigger on something until, you know, September of, of 2021. So, I kind of caught like the the tail end mm -hmm. of that like initial surge, and then you know got rewarded like with some you know different different benefits as an NFT holder and like kind of really did did pretty good, but um, you know again ultimately it just becomes something that you're holding for the next cycle and you know just that's pretty much all you could do. Why do you think NFTs are real? Um, again, I feel like that's like saying when you look at crypto in 2017, why do you think crypto is real? You know, like you have a couple of things that have a actual use case at the time. You have a couple of collections that have established, you know, considerable communities. But I don't think that artwork is the, is the end game here. I don't think that we've even began to discuss, I mean, now we're starting to look at it, but music, Frank, um, you know, gift, gift cards, um, you know, like there's so many different facets. And the question you ask yourself is, okay, well, if these things already work, then like, why would you recreate them? Mm. Right? Like if it, if it already works, like why would you recreate them? Well, Sears had a catalog that sold all types of things and you'd get it in the mail. Why did they recreate it? Because the times change. And I think that, you know, generations now, these things are becoming almost second nature to them. So for them to go on a marketplace and be able to interact with their favorite artist or purchase art directly from their favorite artist, or go to Starbucks and get a coffee and get a get a gift certificate NFT uploaded to their wallet. I mean, the possibilities are really endless. And as we know, anytime that there's something with incredible po possibilities to it, usually um, an entire market builds around that. And that's usually when like the lows are happening, when new players are getting involved. And then there's always historically a um, you know second cycle like. I don't know what happens to NFTs or art, but I definitely don't think it's done yet. And I definitely think that there's a lot of room for continued development and continued improvement. And we're happy to see it and be a part of it. What do your friends in the music world think about well, NFTs? That, that's a great question. And I'm, I'm happy you asked that because I have a lot of friends um, in the music industry, a lot of very you know cool people, you know people that have written number one records, people that have won Grammys and um, people that own recording studios that, you know, house all this stuff, right? 
they're very interested. They're very interested. I know Warner just came out and said that they were getting into uh, you know the NFT space. Like they're interested not for the technology. I, I really don't think that a company like that they're not in it for the tech. They don't give a shit about the technology. They care about money. And if they know that they have X artists that now have new ways to employ, you know, revenue potential, they're gonna go there, you know? And all but the people that I, I'm friendly with and the people that I know in the industry, they're interested, they're watching, and I think that they're coming up with their own type of plays. And um, you know, I, I think it's gonna be pretty exciting in the next uh year or two. Yeah. Be a good time to sort of start like a NFT infrastructure company. Absolutely. Probably. And, and that's that's why like, you know, I feel like we're just scratching the surfaces now with starting to look at ways to build indexes. I think that, that you know, with what Chainlink and Coinbase are doing together in terms of data, um, I think the possibilities for lending, the possibilities for building out, you know, lending markets or borrowing markets or even shit rental markets, mm -hmm. you know, where you could rent some of these things. I mean, you're seeing in some of these communities the ability to now take, like, you know, we're sitting here, you know, like you have a soft drink, like imagine the ability to brand this soft drink, right? Like, and make this the NFT and like go sell it because that's your NFT. Like imagine like just possibilities are just endless. Yeah. Um, there are so many interesting use cases. Um, have you ever have you ever gone to any of these events or concerts in the metaverse? I have I have not. I I'm surprised. <laughs> I I, have. I feel like you'd be there with Snoop <laughs> in Decentraland. Yeah, see Or like, no no no, Sandbox. Well, He's, Sandbox I I've definitely I've definitely, you know, utilized the 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 applications. I just I've never went to the conference of the uh the concerts or or anything like that yet, no. But you got real life concerts. Yeah, real life concerts I enjoy. Any you recent know. ones stand uh, out? Rammstein. Oh, nice. Rammstein was was definitely uh, that was some that was some crazy shit. That mm -hmm. was at um, Meadowlands back in September. It was a great show. Um, they did, they, you know, they always do like a crazy thing, like with theatrics and and different stuff. So that was that was definitely cool, man. But I like all, all types of music, man. You know everything. I was um I was trying to figure out like this song. It's like a pop song where it's like. Gucci, Fendi, something, Madonna. <laughs> I have no you know what I'm talking about? Um, so I Google it and I look up and I found this like trap or this electronic dance music song that's just like, um, Balenciaga, um, what's the one? Balenciaga. The song is just like, Fendi, Prada, Balenciaga, Pet, Fendi, Prada, Balenciaga. And it's oh, just like, shit. it's like house music. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't say I heard that one, man. You gotta send me that. It has like it had no. I was looking for a different song, but I stumbled upon this one, and so I'm blasting it in my basement. And then I, I guess I left it on YouTube, and then I came back downstairs, and I had a three hour long like EDM. Oh god, uh, yeah, one of playlists. Yeah, one of those playlists. <laughs> I kept it on. I did my whole work. I did all my work that day to EDM blasting in the background. That's not that's not necessarily like, a terrible thing. EDM's kind of dope. I was just doing some uh, doing some exploration. Yeah, I, I I probably would I'd play it, but I feel like we don't have the copyright. Yeah, I don't think I don't think um, you could do that. I think that if you do that, then they'll they'll, they'll come after they'll me. They'll come after you. Um. So what are, what's on the horizon for you? What are you most excited about? Um. Right now, just just building. 
you know, building with the team, keeping our heads down. You know, I feel like we're, like we were talking about, you know, earlier, you know, like we're here to to build things and you, you know, it's it's kind of like crypto in a lot of senses. You know, you get cycles and you get ego and you get different things that get involved and it kind of becomes like the WWF, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like it kind of becomes like you, you know, you're rooting like for your favorite, you know, crowd cheerer or like your favorite villain and like you're literally watching them live out you know their story on the internet like through the technology that they create and that's just like it's it's cool you know what i mean like it's cool to to be entertained but at the end of the day it's going to be decentralization it's going to be development that pushes industry forward and i'd rather be somebody that keeps my head down doesn't talk doesn't get involved just build with my team and just try to build things that make the world you know function a little bit better mm-hmm and um, if I can make that contribution, then I've, I've done my job, you know? So I think for me, like what's on the horizon is to just keep doing more of that, less talking, more building. And, um, you know, that's that's pretty much it. Is it hard to find folks, developers in this market? Um, well, we've been fortunate where our core team has been together since 2019. Mm-hmm. So we have not, uh, like nobody's left. Like we've, we had a couple of marketing people that um, you know left one on one on great terms. We're still you know very close with to this day. One who left on great terms. It just wasn't the right fit. And mm-hmm. now we you know we brought in um, you know somebody. Shout out to to Aspen who has been phenomenal in building uh, community for the team. But it's a it's it's a type of DAO where like you know everybody's been here for a while. Everybody really cares about their work. You know I'm sure you know you know through Preston the stuff that he does. Like it's it's just. The, like the ecosystem is there and we're fortunate. So it's like, haven't really had an issue with developers or finding new developers, you know, yet. And the ones that we have have just been here for a really long time. So like, we're just really happy about- Do you want to share that. the story of how you and Preston met? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I could share that. So I was, um, I was dating a girl, you know, for a while. Good girl. And we were together for a while and her dad- um, you know, he, he happened to be involved in, in like, you know, investigations. He did like investigations and whatnot. And uh, one of Preston's best friends um, worked with him on the video aspect of it. So they were doing an investigation one day, you know, um, uptown in the Bronx. And uh, I don't know if it was, if it was an arson or if it was, it was, it was some type of like foul ass crime. You know, mm. it wasn't like your typical nonsense. It was kind of foul. And they were in the basement gathering intel on this investigation. And uh, like most crypto, they just, they, like most crypto people, they just started talking about crypto because at the time it was just really exciting. So, um, you know, her father had said to Preston's friend, you know, what do you know about this stuff? And Preston's friend had said to him, you know, well, my friend builds Ethereum. Like he's one of the core developers of Ethereum. And he's like, well, you know, him and Joe kind of need to have a conversation. And, you know, it was literally, the DAO was literally created in a dingy-ass basement, like in, in the it South It was Bronx. like a phoenix that yeah, came out man. of the fire. It literally just came came out of nowhere. And then, you know, I had met him, Preston at the time was working at Google, and I had met him and, uh, you know, pitched him on the idea. And right away, I, I knew I had the guy because he started yelling at me, like literally started yelling at me that, you know, what I couldn't, what I was trying to do was impossible because it wasn't backed by anything and it wasn't collateralized and he, you know, he didn't want to hear it and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I learned at the time that that was just like, 
engineers. Because mm-hmm. then he called me two weeks later and he said, look, you have a really cool idea, but I have to help you like come up with a, a, a solve. Like it can't just be you say what the market value is. It has to actually be representative of something. And I have to help you build that. And um, yeah, to this day, you know, became like one of my best friends, like one of my brothers, you know, just wonderful, wonderful person, man. You know, so shout out to Preston. Yeah, great guy. Definitely. Thank you. Yeah. Integral to the merge. Absolutely. And then the splurge. And then, then the, the purge. Purge and whatever else, whatever like else comes after four that. four more. Yeah, but well, that Joe. was a lot of work for him, man. Joe. Thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me, Frank. Where can our listeners learn more about what you're doing at Cryptex? Uh, yeah, you could check us out on, on Twitter at cryptex.finance. The Discord is Cryptex Finance. Um, you could pop in any one of those places, and I'm sure somebody will be happy to, to give you more info or, or tell you where to look for it. Perfect. Once again, we've been joined today by my guest, Joe Sticko, co-founder of Cryptex. The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.